All right, do this. Don't sit down. Stay standing up. <sighs> Sorry, I didn't catch you quick enough. Um, I was kissing my wife. Get over it. Uh, okay, um, I just want you to stay standing up. So even if you're sitting down, go ahead and stand up. Um, what we're going to do is what we've done every week of this prayer series, and we're just going to start the day off by reading the Lord's Prayer together. So I would just want you to join me um, as we stand in honor of the Word of God. Let's read this. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. All right, you can have a seat now. Thank you, guys. Well, over the last several weeks of this prayer series, um, our intentions, and I think we've accomplished this, have, have been to answer a lot of the big questions that surround prayer by walking through the prayer Jesus offers us in Matthew chapter 6. And so, um, in case you haven't been here, and, and just to catch all of us up who have been, um, we've talked about how not to pray. We've talked about how to pray. We've talked about who we're talking to when we pray. Um, we've covered specific things and people to pray for. And we've also talked about specific things that we should go to God and ask him for. And I just want us to walk back through this prayer we all read together um, just to remind ourselves of how all this is true, okay? So week two, we hear Jesus saying, when we pray, we should go and talk to God as our Father in heaven, or as we discussed, our Dad who can do anything. That we remember that Jesus has given us the right to be called sons and daughters of God. So when we talk to God, we're talking to him again as a child talks to a father. And we go into his presence and we talk to him, um, not with just ourselves in mind, but with our other brothers and sisters in Christ in mind. And we believe that nothing is impossible for him. And Jesus says, with that heartbeat and that mindset, we need to start asking God for some things. And the first three things he tells us to ask for are just all about him. He says, pray and ask God that his name would be hallowed or honored. Pray and ask him for his kingdom to come and for his will to be done on the earth, just like it's being done perfectly in heaven. And if you were here that week, you remember me saying that that part of prayer, um, it's not just us expressing our desires to God for those things to be true. It's us coming into the presence of God and committing ourselves to those things. So, um, God, I commit myself to the honoring of your name. I commit myself to your kingdom work. And I commit myself to your will, what you want, not what I want. And Jesus, the awesome thing that he teaches us is that we can go to God in light of praying like that and ask him for anything we need in order to pull off those commitments. So Jesus tells us, like, go to God every day and ask him for needs. Like, what do you need? What, what do you need him to provide for you so that you can be about honoring his name, living for his kingdom, and doing his will? Just go ask him for that stuff and, and ask him for that stuff for other people as well. He says, go to God and, and daily and regularly ask God to forgive you of your sins and to help you to forgive other people of their sins. And do that so that sin doesn't keep you from a deep, intimate relationship with God. Do that so that bitterness toward other people don't keep you from a deep, intimate relationship with God. And why? Because you want to be about honoring his name and living for his kingdom and doing his will. And it's hard to do that when you're sinful and angry, right? 
Jesus says, listen, go and pray to God and, and ask him to, to keep you um, guarded from temptation. And if you're stuck in sin, ask God to rescue you or to free you from that. And ask him to do the same for other people. And why, church? Well, simple, right? We want to be about his name. We want to be about his kingdom. We want to be about his will. Now, I don't know about you guys, um, but for a good part of my Christian life, I never prayed like that, right? I mean, when I prayed, I was offering up prayers to God that were for me, about me, and beneficial to me. When Jesus teaches us to pray, though, in Matthew 6, he goes, listen, you should be praying prayers that are for God, about God, and beneficial to God. And even the parts, church, that are about us are given to us so that we can be enabled to live the life God has called us to live out in this world. Church, um, prayer is God-centered, and we need to get that. I think one of the reasons that some of us in the room, and I'm including myself in this, um, one of the reasons that we've gotten frustrated, some of us, with prayer, wondered if it worked, questioned its power, is because we've gotten it upside down, right? We, we've made it me-centered, self-centered, instead of God-centered. And some of us have used prayer um, as nothing more than an attempt to go and to change God and to align him with what we want instead of using prayer to allow God to change us and align us with what he wants. And as Jesus closes out this prayer, and this is what we're going to talk about today, what he reminds us of and what he teaches us of is this, is that when you and I will pray with a right, biblical, God-centered perspective, we can always pray with confidence Always know that our prayers matter and always know that our prayers are powerful. So we're just going to walk through that today and talk about how those things are true. Now before we do that, I just want to point out one quick thing, okay? Um, This closing line to the Lord's Prayer, yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever, amen, may not be in some of your Bible translations, okay? It's in translations of the Bible, like the King James. It's in the New American Standard Version, um, but it's not in versions like the NIV. Um, I read and teach from the ESV every week, the English Standard Version. It's not in mine, and the reason for that's very simple, okay? In the earliest Greek manuscripts of the New Testament, that line wasn't included in the Lord's Prayer, Now, it was included in later manuscripts of the Greek New Testament, and it's believed by Bible scholars that Jesus took this ending part of this prayer straight out of the Old Testament scriptures, and so a lot of them chose to just include it. Um, There's a prayer in 1 Chronicles 29 that David prayed over his son Solomon as he was commissioning his son to build the temple in Jerusalem, okay? And here's the prayer. Listen to this. It says, yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heavens and the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And we, now we thank you, our God, and we praise your glorious name. Now, we as a church, um, we want to use this closing line. We believe it's an important closing line, and we believe we can use it because it's from the Bible, right? So we're not doing anything weird or taking anything out of context here. Um, Here's the reason we believe it's so important to include this at the end of the Lord's Prayer. 
Because what it does as we end prayer is it brings our attention back to God once again. We start prayer with him and we close prayer with him. And as I've already said, it reminds us of why we can pray confidently and why we can trust in prayer's power. So let's walk through it. Um, Jesus says we can pray with confidence and trust in prayer's power because we understand and believe that God's kingdom is forever. His kingdom's forever. So again, here's the prayer. Dad who can do anything, we're about your name, your kingdom, your will. Give us what we need to pull those commitments off. And there's that one little word at the beginning of that last statement, for, right? Or because, God, we're praying all of this stuff confidently because yours is the kingdom forever. His kingdom's forever. Now, a, a couple of weeks ago, when we talked about the kingdom of God, I told you in the Bible, um, when it uses that phrase or that terminology, it's refu- referring to God's rule and his reign. And Jesus, again, in the Lord's Prayer, is telling us that God is going to rule and reign forever as king over everything, and that's why we can pray with confidence. So, let's see how smart you are, church. Okay, tomorrow, who's going to be ruling and reigning as king? God is. Okay, 100% right now. Let's keep going. Um, 10 years from now, who's ruling and reigning as king over everything? God, right? Jesus. That's a great, same person. So it's good. We're good. Um, Jesus is God, church. If you don't believe that, believe that. It's true. Um, 100 years from now, who's reigning as king? 10,000 years. Who's there? Who's ruling and reigning? Okay, I could keep going all day. And why is that true? Because his kingdom's forever. His rule and his reign, it never ends. Now this means some things for us, church, as we pray. And I'll tell you what those things are. Um, It means for us that when we talk to God in prayer, that again, we're speaking to God who is creator, who is king, who has authority over all that we see and all that we don't see, and who has an endless supply of resources out of which to give us things as his kids. It also means that when we go and we speak to God, that we're speaking to someone whose kingdom is endless, it's limitless, and it will outlast and outlive every other kingdom that's ever existed in creation, including the kingdom of our enemy, Satan himself. Now, let me ask you this. And this is especially directed toward those of us who struggle with prayer often, we get frustrated with prayer, we don't know that prayer works, um, When you pray, and not only when you pray, when you live your life every day, what kingdom are you focused on? What kingdom are you focused on? And the reason I ask that question is this, because I'm convinced that the reason some of us are frustrated with prayer, frustrated with God, frustrated with life, is because we're living and praying with the wrong kingdom in mind. Oh, again, we've, we've gotten this upside down. Our prayers are not centered around God and his forever eternal heavenly kingdom. We pray and we live and all of our attention is focused on our very temporary, very earthly kingdoms. I think that's why some of us are so frustrated today. Um, James chapter 4, James who was a pastor, wrote to a church who was guilty of this, right? And I'll give you a paraphrase. Here's what he says, James 4, he's talking about prayer. He says, listen, um, You don't have what you need because you're not asking God for the things you need. 
And he said, you are asking God for some things, but he's not giving you those things that you're asking for because you don't want them so that you can go and be about his kingdom and his name and his will. What you want is for him to bless you so you can take all his blessings and go be selfish and spend them all on your passions and selfish desires. You know what James is saying to his church? He's going, you're living and praying with the wrong kingdom in mind. You've gotten it upside down, and because of that, God's not answering your prayers. What a frustrating place to be in. Um, let's do this. Let's have an honest moment, okay? I like honest moments in church. Church, you know you're going to die one day, right? Like, do you really know that? Like, you ever stop and think about that? My life here on this earth, one day, will be over with. Listen to me. Um, it's going to end. My life's going to end. And after some years go by, nobody's going to remember your name or mine. All your stuff, all your possessions, everything you work so hard for, all of that stuff, guess what's going to happen to it? It's going to go away. And why? Because it's temporary stuff. It's not going to last. You can't take it with you. It's done at the point your life is over. But guess whose kingdom and name will never be forgotten? The kingdom and name of our God, our Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. And church, I'm begging you, some of us today, we need to stop living for and praying for temporary earthly stuff that one day is going to die right along with us. And we need to start living for and praying for and investing in the one kingdom that will outlive and outlast every other kingdom in creation. The kingdom of God, his kingdom, his rule and his reign, church, is forever. It's forever. And listen, I truly believe that when you focus life and prayers on his kingdom, you start getting a whole lot more confident when you pray, right? I mean, how crazy is it to think that if we go and talk to our dad, and we say, Dad, we want to be about your name, we want to be about your kingdom, we want to be about your will, and here's what we need to be about those things. How crazy is it to think that God is going to come back to us and go, sorry, can't do that for you. I can't give you that stuff, right? Like, I know I'm king. I know I have authority over everything. I created it, so it's mine. I have an endless supply of resources as king, creator, um, but I'm not gonna give you that. Like, that's ridiculous to believe. See, listen to me, church. When we will center our lives and our prayer lives on God's kingdom, the promise from the scripture, and Jesus reminds us of this in Matthew 6, God will take care of our kingdoms here on the earth. But we don't need to worry about our kingdoms so much. We need to be about his and let God be about ours. His kingdom is forever. The second reason that Jesus tells us we can pray with confidence and we can trust in prayer's power and its purpose is this, is because God's power is forever. God's power is forever. Uh, I wonder how many of us in the room stop on a regular basis and just remind ourselves of what God is capable of. Do you ever do that? If you don't, I just want to encourage you to make that a regular practice, a regular habit. And here's why. Um, Because when we keep perspective on how big God is and how powerful he is and what he's capable of, I promise you, it will change everything about the way you live and about the way you pray. It will. Let me just tell you what this book I hold in my hands says about what God is capable of. Listen to this. The Bible says that God spoke creation into being. 
He formed man with his very own hands and made him alive with his very own breath. He parted a sea to save his people. He used an army of 300 men to defeat an army of thousands. He used a shepherd boy to defeat a giant with a sling and a stone. He saved three Jewish boys from a blazing furnace and another from a den of hungry lions. He caused a fish to swallow a disobedient prophet in order to regain his attention. He destroyed nations with a simple command. He is the God who stepped out of heaven and wrapped himself in flesh to live among sinners. While he was here, he caused the blind to see, the lame to walk, and the dead to come to life again. He is the God who gave his life on a cross for the sins of the world and then walked out of the grave three days later very much alive. He is the God who was and is and will one day come back to the earth in power and glory and take his church home to be with him. He is the self-existent, eternal, all-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere at all times, God, in which you and I live and move and have our being. This is him. Church, this is the God we speak to every time we pray. I can't think about this. How crazy do we have to be to think that if we go to him, our dad, and we say, we want to be about your name and your kingdom and your will, here's what we need, that God's not powerful enough to take care of us as his kids. Like, that's ridiculous. Listen, church, his power never ends. This book says nothing's impossible for God. That he can do more than I can ever ask or imagine. That his power never diminishes, never fails, never falters, never runs out. His power is forever. How much confidence should that give us as his kids to walk into his presence and to pray and to know that his endless supply of power is available to us as people he loves more than we'll ever comprehend. Um, There are two sides to this. Two sides to God's power that I want us to talk about. Um, before we talk about it, though, there's a story I want you to hear, see. And this story is from a friend of mine who's a pastor on staff at Westridge Church and, and his wife, Lindsay. You've seen him preach from the stage before. His name is Troy Page. Um, but this story helps us to get such a great picture of what the two sides of God's power looks like. So I want you to direct your attention to the screens and listen to Troy and Lindsay's story. First of all, everyone, I want to just take a second. Well, uh, Lindsay and I would like to take a second and just thank you all for your prayers and support. Um, I went in for a colonoscopy. Um, I've been having abdomen pain and complaining about that for several weeks. And Lindsay finally made me go to the doctor. And uh, they found something there. Hi, my name is Troy Page, and this is my wife, Lindsay. Too cool, probably. Almost too cool. Almost too cool. And so about a year and a half later, um, we got engaged. 
go back to the hospital and have a baby. So on March 5th, our little boy, Cohen, uh, was born. And uh, it was a, an amazing experience. And again, we were both just thankful to God that he allowed that to, to happen in our lives. And I'll never forget, you know, every parent says, you know, when you bring them home for the first time, and it was just a special time. And uh, I remember taking them into the room. We were holding them. I was filming, you know, the proud dad. And we introduced him to the room that we put together for him. And we worked so hard on them. And, um, and for the first time, read the scripture that we have adopted as his verse. There's a picture, a picture, our first family photo that we took um, five days after Cohen was born. And um, this means a lot to me because it was a day years ago that, you know, you didn't think that really this would ever happen. And then when you see that it, it, it could happen, and then you get sick and you almost die, you know, to be able to, to be there at that moment and to hold your baby and to be next to your wife and to be a family and have that photo taken um, is just, there's nothing better. And um, just a great, great testament of God's grace in our lives. And um, we don't take that lightly. Two sides to God's power. One side is this. Um, It's in those moments where we know that only God's hand can do what we need his hand to do. And we call on him and beg him and ask him to do God-sized, supernatural, miraculous things. And in power, he comes through and he does what we're asking for. You know, I think about what Lindsay said in the video that she went to that bench and she begged God for Troy's life. Um, As a church staff, we had been walking with them through this, through all the preparation for surgery, praying for them. um, And we would pray that God would just heal him of it. And I think about in that moment, again, I talked to Troy about this just the other day. He said in that moment where he was bleeding internally, his levels got so low that he should have died. I mean, they were right there. And so here's his wife begging God for his life. And what does God do? God does what he does and he comes through and he guides doctors to the exact place they need to go to to fix Troy's body so that he can survive. There are those moments, and that's the power of God at work. God, supernaturally, God-sized supernatural things. And church, listen to me. I want us to be a church that always prays and begs God for those things. I do, because he can do anything. But listen to me, there's another side. There's another side of God's power. Um, We live in a very broken, sinful, messed up world. And because of that, There are times and seasons in life, church, that are just going to go bad for us. They're going to be difficult. They're going to be rough. And there are moments and seasons where we're going to pray for something. And we're going to ask God to do something. And it's going to seem like it didn't come through. But let me tell you this. The the power of God is still at work, okay? Um, If you ever meet a person who tries to tell you that just because you love Jesus and are following Jesus that everything's going to be good the rest of your life, they're lying to you and they're not teaching you this book, all right? 
If anything, this book again teaches us life is going to go bad. But here is what God tells us in the scriptures. He says, listen, in those moments, draw near to the throne of grace. This is Hebrews 4.16. Draw near to the throne of grace so that you may receive mercy and find grace to help you in your time of need. Listen to me. I don't know what you're going through, and I don't know what you're facing, but listen, God wants to take care of you through it. He's got you, and it might not turn around overnight, and things may not all of a sudden get better, but what God promises to you is this, I will give you my power, I will give you my grace, I'll give you every bit of mercy you need to carry you through whatever you face in life. God can do that for you. Listen, he's got you, church. You're his son, you're his daughter, he's got you. You need to trust in that. Some of us, listen, some of us are going to have to pray from right now till the time we die to overcome what we're facing. Listen to me, his power never ends. So I don't know what, again, what you're facing, if it's sickness, if it's hardship, it's some type of suffering. Some of us are going to have to persevere from now until the time life is over and just trust that God is going to answer our prayers when we close our eyes in death and open our eyes in the presence of Jesus. Freedom is coming. It's coming. Hang on. Hold on. Pray. Persevere. He's got you. And we as a church will help any way we can with what you're facing. His power, it never ends. It never ends. The last thing, and then we'll be done. Jesus teaches us that we can be confident in prayer and its power because God's glory is forever. His glory is forever. Um, Now that word glory, it's difficult for us to fully define it, but at the most basic level, it's used in the scriptures to refer to God's presence being made known or manifested on the earth. Now, I need you to know today that there is nothing more important to God than his glory. Nothing. There's nothing more important to God than his presence being made known, his presence being realized, and his presence being responded to. Nothing more important than that to him. And maybe you hear that and go, well, wow, he's pretty self-absorbed God, right? Sounds like a selfish God to me. I don't know if I can get on board with that. Here's what I'd say back to you. We should all be grateful, glad, and joyful that God is so concerned with his glory. And I'll give you two quick reasons why. One, because if God wasn't concerned with his glory, you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't even exist. You you wouldn't be a, a person. Listen to me. The book of Isaiah tells us this. This is God speaking through the prophet, and here's what he says. Bring my sons from afar. Bring my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for what? For my glory, whom I formed and made. Church, you do get that God didn't need us, right? Like God wasn't sitting up in heaven one day going, I'm bored, I'm lonely, let me create some people. Right? Let, let me create some human beings and I'll, I'll put them on earth and, and I'll let them carry my image and bear my likeness and be displays of my glory. And, and that's what I did. He didn't create you because he was bored or lonely. He created you again for the simple purpose of bearing his image, being his likeness, making him known, being known by him, and worshiping and praising him as kids who are loved by him as a heavenly father. This is why he created you. If God wasn't about his glory, again, you wouldn't be here. 
Now, we know that when sin entered the world, sin kind of messed that thing up, right? Again, God's plan, they're going to be displays of my glory, my presence, my likeness. Um, When sin entered the world in church, this is why we hate sin so much. Not because we just get slapped with like an immoral label, right? It makes us be less churchy. We hate sin because it prevents us from accurately displaying the glory of God. Sin prevents us from being like God. It prevents us from painting an accurate picture to the world of who God is. Sin prevents us from giving the worship to God from our lives that he deserves. That's why we hate sin. Now, I love that God didn't just look at us and go, they really screwed up my idea, right? I'll make them, they'll be displays of my glory, we'll have this awesome relationship, they'll know what I'm like because I made them in my image, worship me, be awesome, um, stinks for them. They screwed it up. No, what God did instead is went, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to fix this. And what he did is he sent his son Jesus into the world to die on a cross in your place for your sins, to reconcile you back to God, to fix that relationship again, to make you new creations that were able once again to display the glory of God, bear his image, bear his likeness, paint an accurate picture to the world of what he's like and live your life as worshipers of him. That's what that was about. So again, if God wasn't about his glory, one, you wouldn't be here. And if you, if you were here, um, you would be dying, stuck in your sin on your way to hell, right? Thank God he's about his glory. It's why we're, we, we were created by him. It's why we were saved by him. Jesus, again, teaches us in this part of prayer that when we pray, we should be mindful that that is going to happen forever. Us bearing his image, us bearing his likeness, us knowing him, making him known, and worshiping him. Jesus goes, listen, that's happening forever. It's happening forever. So when we pray again, church... And we come to God and say, we want to be about your name. We want to be about your kingdom. We want to do your will. Here's what we need. Um, You know what we're saying to God? We're saying, God, I'm mindful. I'm going to do this for all of eternity. But God, I don't just want to sit around and wait to die in order to, to do that. Like, I want to do it here and I want to do it now. Right? Nothing worse than a person who calls himself Christian, who prayed a prayer once a long time ago and just lived their lives for nothing and wait to die. Right? Jesus is going, don't live like that, don't pray like that. Press in, be about his business, be about his glory, know that you're going to do it forever, and start now while you're here on the earth. And I love knowing, as the Bible teaches, that one day when life is over, again, um, we're going to go and not just be with Jesus, but we're going to be like Jesus. We're going to be like him, the Bible says. And who was the perfect display of God's, God's glory, his likeness on the earth? Jesus, right? So again, listen to me. Your call in life as a child of God, be like Jesus. You're going to be like him in eternity. Be like him now on the earth. That's what we pray for every time we pray. Um, Over the past several months, we've been praying a prayer a lot like that as a staff team here at Westridge. Every Tuesday morning, man, we just get together as a team and we pray and we pray and we say, God, we want to be about your name, want to be about your will, want to be about your kingdom. God, provide, draw people to this place to hear about Jesus and the good news of what he's done. And uh, God, I believe, has responded to our prayers in some pretty amazing ways. 
over the past several months. I just want to share some of this stuff with you as a church because I think we just need to be in the loop and know what God's doing. Um, over the past few months, and, and let me find these real quick. As we've been praying, here's what we've seen. Since January, people come into church every month. It's gone up from an average of 660 people to this past month in April, 920 people, which is awesome. Um, and consider last July, it was 546 people. So you're talking almost 400 more people coming to church each week, less than a year later. I tell people all the time, um, and, I, and I steal this line from a buddy of mine who's up in Canton. Um, people say, how's it going? Better than it should be is always the answer, right? Um, here's some more. Um, 29 salvations, 29 people trusting in Christ since the beginning of the year. We've baptized 35 people, and we're hearing countless stories from people about how God is working and changing their lives. This is stuff as a church we're always going to celebrate. If you're here today and you go, wow, pastor, sounds like you're all about the numbers. Those numbers, I'm all about. I want people to come to church, to hear about Jesus, and to hear this book taught. So yes, I'm about that number. I want to see it go up. Um, I'm about people coming to know Jesus and being saved and being baptized. So I want to be about those and see those numbers go up. We'll always celebrate them and we'll always pray for more of that kind of stuff. Now listen, here's the deal. Since God has responded to our prayers, and that's always my first answer to people who go, what's going on in Cartersville? I don't, we've just been praying, right? We're not doing anything crazy out of the box. We're just praying a lot. Um, God's responded. It's put us back at that place, church, where we're going, okay, what do we do now? Because we're getting close to that ceiling again when it comes to space. We're just trying to figure out and talk about and pray for wisdom. So I'm putting this in front of you to go pray for us, Okay. Um, we're praying, do we need to go to another service, a fourth one sometime? Um, do we do something different with the building and try to create more room here? Um, we're praying and talking, do we look for other places where there's more room where our church can continue to grow and reach more people with the gospel? And all this is preliminary, I'm telling you, we're just asking questions, um, but we're praying those prayers. And we're asking God for guidance and wisdom and discernment. Church, I want to ask you to join with us in praying that stuff. Again, don't get the needs in front of the mission, Okay, start with that. God, we as a church want to be about your name and your kingdom and your will. God, here's what we need. Pray those prayers with us. Um, here's what I would love to see God do. I'd love to see somebody just come in and go, dude, we got this huge building over here and nobody's using it. You guys want it, right? That'd be awesome. Or they got a couple million dollars laying around. I don't need it. You guys want to use it for something? And we laugh about that, but I'm going, why not? Why not? God's king. He's powerful. He can do anything. All this stuff is his anyway. Why not ask him for it? And so, church, I'm just saying, pray stupid, silly prayers with us. Pray them, man. Let's not insult God with our small prayers. Let's ask him for some big, supernatural, God-sized things, and let's keep asking him to do unbelievable things in and through this church as we seek to live lives for his glory, his name, and his will. So I just want us to close today as a church and pray for those things together as a family. So will you join me in doing that? God, you have been so good to us. God, far beyond what we deserve. God, I just want to stop and just thank you for Jesus, God. He, he's the one that's made all this possible, God. Without him, we'd be wasting our time. We thank you, God, for what he's done for us. We thank you that he is alive today, interceding and praying on our behalf right now at this moment. 
Father, we do want to be that church, God, that's about his name, the name of Jesus. We want to lift it high. God, we want to elevate it above Westridge Church. We want to elevate it above anybody on staff, anybody in the seats. We want his name to be the name that people hear when they walk in this room. We want his name to be the name that we carry when we, as your kids, leave this room. God, we want to be about his name. God, we want to be about your kingdom work. God, we want to be about your will, what you want, not what we want. So God, as a church family, I'm just asking you at an individual level, God, would you provide and meet needs for the people in this room? God, show them their sin. Show them temptation coming. Show them bitterness in their heart toward others. God, make real to them all of those things that are standing in the way of them being about the other things that we prayed for. God, as a, at a family level, God, we just pray for wisdom and discernment. God, on steps to take as we move forward. God, we believe you're gonna keep building your church here, God, and we just wanna be faithful and be ready for it. So God, give us wisdom, give us discernment. Um, God, provide for us in, in ways only you can. And God, we trust you for that. We thank you this morning that you are a father who loves us. You listen to us. God, you respond to us. God, we just love you. We can't wait to see you one day. And we pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen, amen.